Hey there, this is Danielle Deary and Kyle Cunningham. Hey! And welcome to the fourth episode of Tea Party, a tea literary and arts magazine production. Today we're talking to Chance Freytag. Howdy! An undergrad at UF who writes fiction, poetry, film criticism, and essays. He's had short stories and poetry published in the Blackwater Review, where he won the Editor's Prize for Fiction. He took first prize in the La Roche Poetry Contest. Additionally, his film criticism and essays have been published by various print and online outlets, including the University Film Society's blog, Match Cut, of which he's the founder-in-chief. So, Chance. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are as a person and as a writer? Um, Anything that you think we didn't cover in that summary? Right. Something I always like to mention when talking about my writing and any of my background as an artist is that I was born in Tennessee. I lived there for the first seven years of my life. And then I moved to the panhandle of Florida, which is basically still the deep south. It's not really (laughs) Florida culture. And because of that, a lot of my writing and a lot of my work is influenced by the things I saw growing up, the people I knew, and a lot of those specific quirks. I write a lot of Southern fiction. I love Westerns. Uh, My grandfather showed me Westerns when I was very, very young. He died when I was seven, right before we moved to Florida. And because of that, I sort of have this fixation that's left over with Western fiction, with Western films, with all of the cultural ephemera that he showed me. He had this collection of cowboy hats, guns, paintings, books, all of these things that continue to change the way I view stories as a whole. Because of that, I've never written a single piece of fiction set in the modern day. Everything I've ever written has been historical fiction, usually set between 1800 and 1970. There are a couple small exceptions to that, but for the most part, that's what fascinates me, and that's what I do. So that time period you mentioned is a pretty broad one, but I'm wondering if there's anything specific to that time period that kind of sets the boundaries of your interest, maybe? Or is it kind of just an unconscious thing? Part of it is certainly unconscious, but I think with 1800 moving into the 70s, you have that industrial revolution and then its immediate impact. You have the 1960s, you have World War II, you have the rise of fascism, and then you have the mythologized American West, which is where a lot of my stories come from, even if I've only written four proper Westerns, uh, one of which I think is good. The rest are not very good. (laughs) But I'm primarily interested in the past as a fantastic landscape. I don't care as much about accuracy. I like to know things. I like to know facts. So whenever I have anachronisms, I'm aware of them. But my stories are full of them. All of them are conscious, I promise. I'm not <laughs> saying that just to cover myself, I'm sure. <laughs> but I like that these time periods and the way we perceive them are reflections of our own biases and of our own values. And for that reason, it's interesting to reframe reframe these time periods through different lenses. Uh, I love writing Westerns from a Marxist lens. I think it's funny because Westerns are inherently imperialist and colonialist and racist and they're not inherently racist. You You can swap the paradigm. The classical Hollywood Western and the classical novel Western are pretty racist as they originally existed. There are plenty of examples of Westerns that aren't, but that moral structure leaves very little in between. Moral gray areas in Westerns are often very blunt if they exist at all which makes it an interesting venue for Marxist fiction because socialist realism is a terrible genre. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. I think historical fiction um, is a perfect place for that kind of stuff. Um, and I definitely agree that commentary on the present within historical fiction is 
in my opinion, at least, I think that's the most interesting aspect of it. Um, I'm wondering what kind of influences in contemporary or maybe a little bit less contemporary um, literature, film, poetry, kind of anything that pushes you in that direction. The obvious influences are the ones that came from my grandfather, the movies he showed me when I was very young. The only one I remember vividly watching with him is John Ford's Stagecoach. It's the classical Western structure. You have all the beautiful vistas. The fantastic landscape is a reflection of the character's internality. Monument Valley becomes this almost Freudian landscape in which the characters play out all of the ideas that Ford wants to play out with them. It's not just a chessboard. It's a fantastic reflection of the world at large and of his perceptions of the world. Other Westerns I like to reference, I love Spaghetti Westerns, I love Sergio Leone, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, Duck, You Sucker. But from a literary perspective, from a very practical writing standpoint, the be-all and the end-all, the, the greatest writer of all time, in my opinion, is Flannery O'Connor. She does the same fantastical, cartoonish thing I like to do with fiction and with images in general. There's a moment from Wise Blood that stands out to me specifically when Hazel is looking up at the sky and he sees a cloud pass overhead. And Flannery describes this cloud as having a mustache and a face and a beard, this classical image of God. In what is one of the most hilarious and also on-the-nose moments in any great novel. And that's sort of what I like to chase. Something that is so obvious and so blunt and almost stupid. It's borderline pulp. I mean, God is a cloud looking down on Hazel. But for me, I think that's the best way of expressing myself and my ideas. I rarely find that my fiction comes from a place that's intensely personal. I don't write things that are autobiographical. I write things that are reflections of my values and of the fiction that I love. But it's only personal because I made it. It's the creative process that makes it personal to me. Everything that I put into it, my time, my effort, my ideas, those are what make it personal, not because it's autobiographical, not because it's a reflection of myself. In thinking about uh, like those like fantastical moments that Flannery O'Connor writes about, do you find that for you they come out differently in fiction versus poetry? Or like how do you use these things that inspire you from other stories and like other types of art um, and how do they come out differently in different genres? My poetry is completely different from my fiction. My fiction is mostly inspired by westerns, by classical Hollywood films, by pulp movies, by pulp novels. I love trash, I love garbage. That's where I feel at home. Not to get too technical, not to get too filmy here, but Manny Farber's distinction of termite art and white elephant art. White elephant art being that which is traditionally acceptable, that which is normally respectable art. I prefer termite art. I prefer movies that were pumped out by Poverty Row in the 40s, these trashy 70-minute noirs that are really, really quick and blunt. With poetry, on the other hand, I lean towards the experimental. I like poetry but I have a fundamental disrespect for it as an art form, both as a writer and a consumer. My favorite poets are Yeats, Cummings, and Rimbaud. My poetry is somewhere in the middle of those, in that it's randomly abstract, full of cultural references. It's often way too formally complex. There's no reason for it. I 
can't justify it. I just like to do that. I like to write that way. But it is very blunt. My better poems are usually me getting angry at historical figures. Uh, my best poem I've ever written is the one I won the contest for. I'm very proud of it. It's called Loneliness is Former United States President Richard Nixon. And it's mostly me saying how I want to defecate on Nixon's grave. I hope that answers your question. I sort of looped back around to talking about pulp again. But poetry for me is just somewhere where I vomit ideas. So one thing I want to ask you about is uh, like your technical creative process. Like what does it entail for you? Is there any differences between genres? Um, Is there differences between like creative work and critical work? I have a very irresponsible writing strategy when it comes to fiction. I'm a perfectionist. So if I try to write a story over a long period of time, I often run into difficulty with flaws that I see. Because they're going to be there no matter what. I'm always going to see something wrong with anything I write. So for the longest time, when I wrote a story, I would sit down in the morning and I would write until nighttime. And whenever, I, whenever it got dark, I was done. The story had to be finished. The fir- that would be the first draft. I would edit it later. But I had the beginning, middle, end. Everything was in place. I'd usually come up with it the week before. I'd let it gestate in my brain. I'd write some notes down. And then I would just vomit. That was how I did it. Recently, I've tried to get out of that habit because it's terrible. It's a terrible way to work. I've been somewhat successful. I've written things over longer periods of time. I usually write sections down for myself, and I'll write a section, and then I'll come back another day and I'll write a section, but it's still on that morning to night style of writing because when I get in the rhythm, I just go, 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 go. I get hung up on sentences very, very badly. I'll write a sentence, and I'll go back and I'll change a word, and then I'll write another sentence. I'll write the sentence before that, and I'll change another word. But I'm much more responsible about my criticism and essays because that's very technical for me. I'm a huge outliner when it comes to that stuff. I like to collect evidence, formulate ideas, and where I don't usually talk about my stories to people when I'm working on them or before I start them, my criticism is almost always born out of conversations I've had with people, opinions that I've developed through those conversations. So there's a much greater clarity there, and it's a much more technical process. I just want to say it makes me very happy to hear that you also have this like all day Mm -hmm. finish a story thing because that's also what I've done for the longest time and I am trying to get out of it and write day by day for a small period of time but I feel like when I really have a deadline is when I can't I find I can't do it bit by bit and I have to do it all at once to like really just like get it out there. So it's really interesting to hear. I have a theory that, that, because that's my writing style too, or it has been through school. And I think that for me at least, that has its origins in the short story constraint of like the college workshop. A story can at most, like the longest one that I've turned in has been 40 pages for like an entire semester. I, I, feel, I feel like the singularity of one or two days of like working on a story puts it in the, like a similar voice, similar mind frame. Yeah. And like I I have unconsciously, I think, in production before, because like I've worked on longer stuff and it feels different and more healthy. Mm-hmm. The short story, a 10, 15 page short story, I want it all to be coming from this, the same time right. period. It shortens the revision process a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's ex- I think that's like exactly right. Because the other day I was thinking, I never had the, I never was like, oh, I really, really want to write a novel. And then I was like, wow. The ability to exist day after day after day in the same story would be so in such a fun 
experience that I have not had uh, with writing short stories. I've often found too, little exercises like that. I've recently, I've been working on like MFA, like applications for like a specific manuscript, focusing on those stories, but I'm trying not, I don't want to just focus on like two stories for an entire semester. So I've been doing a lot of like small exercises. A lot of like really good work comes from not intending to do anything with it other than just push yourself and do new things. Yeah. I was doing this exercise, how much space can I traverse in the smallest amount of time? How much time can I spend in the same space? How much time can I, and like just like playing with space and time is super interesting to me. I love spaces, I'm obsessed with spaces. Half my yeah. stories are all characters getting stuck in one spot and going nowhere and doing nothing. I love it. And it's fun <laughs> and just having like a small axiomatic idea in your head. I will do this with space. Can like generate like really really interesting, exciting, and like completely surprising ideas in like fiction. It's I love doing that stuff. Oh yeah. So, are there any um, influences or writing practices, or really anything at all about writing, art, criticism that? We haven't really worked into the conversation that you feel this would be incomplete without us mentioning. Someone who's been a real revelation to my style and to my conception of stories, particularly in the last year, is the filmmaker Samuel Fuller. He's a writer, he's a director, and before that, he was a newspaper man. He was, a, he was terrible at his job. He lied about everything. He turned in all of his assignments late. They were all too long. After that, he joined the military during World War II. He was one of the first people to ever film footage of concentration camps. And after he got back from that is when he began his filmmaking career. And all of his movies have this very blunt tabloid style of confronting issues, of confronting morality. And they're all very sensationalist on their surface. One of them's about the Korean War and the concept is they're all stuck in one room and there's a Korean and there's a black American GI and there's this one white American GI and they're all arguing about morality and that's the concept. And there's another one where... There's this pickpocket. He's just been let out of jail and he's picked up this communist microfilm and everybody's after him. They want to get it. And it's all very blunt. He picks topics that are sensationalist, topics that you'd see on the front of a tabloid in a grocery store. But he handles them all with pathos. And he brings out all of the things that are best in pulp novels and pulp films and other garbage. And it's the concise nature of his work. While still being exciting, while still being functional, while still being trashy, that he can be so concise and that he can get a point across and he can make you care about it. That's what I want to accomplish. That's what I would love to do is to be able to write something that is basically hitting you over the head like a baseball bat in the most garish, corny way possible, but somehow you still care about it. That's, that's what I would like to do as a writer. Well, that's a wonderful way to end. Uh, thank you very much, Chance, for joining us. Happy to be here. <laughs>